Peace, everybody. Back to another episode of On Tilt. I'm Julius here with Mama Brown. How you doing, Miss Danielle? I am doing wonderful, Julius. Wonderful, wonderful. It's been a very hectic week, you know, since we last spoke last week. But uh, it turned around and man, blessings and, and miracles. Um, boy, I had a lot on my prayer list this week with several people, but well, God showed up and he showed up strong and, you know, so, hey, it, it's ending extremely beautiful for me toward, as we go into this weekend. How yeah. about Julius? How was your week in last weekend? Good. I'm good. I'm, uh, I don't know if you can tell, I sound a little nasally. Uh-huh. I don't know if you could tell, but I'm, I'm recovering from a summer cold. Now, when I first started to get sick, in my mind, I'm like, COVID, right? And I just start thinking to myself, like, what what am I going to do? What's happening? Um, took a COVID test, came back negative. So that was was a beautiful thing. But I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the tail end. I'm probably about by 90% well right now. So, you know, Jenny, there is such thing as a summer cold. I think we all kind of forgot about that. And allergies, we just like, forget that. We're going straight to, let me get tested for COVID. Oh my God, is it the Delta stray? And you know, that's a good segue into what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the mental health surrounding this whole Delta strain and how, you know, just what's going on with the enforcement of masks, the non-enforcement of masks, you know, what's, you know, why states are are, are kind of contradicting what the president is is mandating, and and and, and you know the, you can see the president's frustration. Uh, we have uh, Representative um, uh, Cory Bush, I think that's her name. Who, yeah, thank you, Congresswoman Cory Bush. Congressman um, Cory Bush, who is spending the night outdoors to bring awareness to do not evict people out their homes when we're still in the midst of a pandemic. And, it, and, and they're forecasting it to be just as worse as when we started out for those who are not vaccinated. So, yeah. we gotta, you know, mentally, it's a lot going on in our community. And it's going to affect everyone again, just when we thought we was coming out of it. Yes. Yes. So we, we got a lot to talk about today, y'all. Um, let's make sure we do take our moment of silence just to honor folks who aren't with us today. So please join us. All right. Thank you all for that. Now, Mama Brown, you said that before we got into our discussion, you did want to share uh, a feel-good story. So please share. Hey, look, I'm smiling. Before we got started, guys, um, I was sharing with uh, our producer and Julius about some incredible news. And for those of you all who follow me on social media, uh, I have a best friend. She's been my best friend since 10th grade in high school. And I always tell people we never broke up. <laughs> so, um, you know, we were pregnant at the same time. Our families are extremely close. And so back in February, we got word that her only daughter, her she only has one child, um, had was diagnosed with um, some type of kidney um I don't know if I'm accurate in saying disease, but it was something that happened to her kidneys that caused her to get on dialysis and not to function. Where we're talking about February, um, this, my best friend, this courageous, uh, wise woman made a decision to do research and to find a kidney for her daughter without having her her daughter stay on dialysis um, or the waiting list 
for long periods of time. She went to Georgetown University. If anyone knows anything about Georgetown University here in the Washington, D.C. area, it's a very, very good hospital, a very good medical um, team that works at these specialists that work at um, Georgetown University Hospitals. One of our um, more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, 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 um, best hospitals, okay? I haven't even found a big word to describe the best hospital. Long story short, she, um, none of the family members who were allowed to, well, none of the family members who got tested were matched. Um, I wanted to get tested, but everybody know my story with the hunger strike. So I wasn't, uh, I, you know, I'm still having issues from that. So I couldn't um, get tested to see if I was a match, even though my heart wanted to. She uh, got her mom found out about a program called Oregon Sharing. And well, donating organs or the share program where the mom would donate her kidney in exchange for someone who is a match would give a kidney to her daughter. We're talking about February. She's finding out that she had to be on dialysis to now here we are in August and the last 24 hours they underwent surgery in both. One, the mom gave the kidney up and her daughter received the kidney from a perfect stranger. It involves several families. There they are. Cornita and, and Jazz, they both in giving deuces. One is on the seventh floor and the other one is on the sixth floor. But they're in the same hospital and they're doing wonderful. And I'm just, you know, when you love people and, and, and you just care about them so much, you know, you see a mother strength. I always say no greater love. And this bomb, she exemplifies no greater love, you know, and which a lot of us mothers do and dads. You know, I'm not discounting the dads, but, you know, as parents, this is what we do for our children. But the reality, um, Julie, is in the Black community, we don't always sign up to be organ donors. And we don't always volunteer to give up an organ. And, you know, almost like with the whole um, COVID, not a lot of, we were slow to get the vaccine you know, for understandable reasons, you know, but, um, you know, a lot of things happen in our community, like high blood pressure, hypertension, diabetes, that, that disqualify us. So when it comes to, you know, in our community needing, you know, someone to donate kidneys or, or life-saving organs, we tend to be the last to get them. And so, that's why I was so grateful that, you know, the, anybody you know about kidney disease or just being on dialysis, the longer you on it, the more harm it weakens your body and can cause your body. But people have been able to be on it and thrive and thrive well, you know, to the best of their ability. And that's heroic in itself. But at the same time, there is a lot of us that are on dialysis that need things like kidney, um, you know, organs being to, donated to us. And I'll say this one last point. I lost a cousin, you know, um, he was raised like a brother. My mom raised him with the, my sister and I, his sister, we, you know, she got him all the time and they were kind of like their sister, brother, cousins. Anyway, he had kidney disease. And I remember I was, 15, 14, 15. And I remember looking back and saying to myself, why weren't we educated, you know, then to get tested and to volunteer to give up our kidney? Like my, my cousin died in his sleep um, from kidney failure. He was going to the dialysis maybe, I want to say about three to four times a week, young, but just one day it just happened very young, very active. And it just, to this day, it hurts my heart. And I'm such a, that's why I, I became an organ donor. Jalen is an organ. Jalen donated his organs. You know, when I lost my son, I was so grateful that my son is able, 
was able to donate his organs so that others may have a better quality of life. So it's donating organs and it's very important to me. Um, and being recipients and, and, and just having other people being able to receive um, it, it, it just does my heart good. So I'm, I'm just really happy that my best friend and her daughter, I call her my niece, you know, she's her and my oldest son are six weeks apart. I love them so much. I'm so grateful. I'm so happy. You know, it's a program that is winning in our community. I want to encourage people to become an organ donor. If you feel, you know, okay about that. The beautiful thing about having two kidneys, we only use one. Our body literally only used one. So maybe that's God's gift when he spoke life into us to give us two so that we can be the gift that keeps giving. I don't know, but it's marvelous that you can continue to have a quality of life on one kidney and you can give life to others. So I just want us to be mindful. We just came out of last month with health, right? It was all about health, mental health, and just physical health too. And I just want us to be, you know, mindful that it's a lot of black people in need of kidney um, or just organ, you know, do donations, organ donors. And so be one or give one. If there's somebody in your family, sign up, get tested. You know, it's not as scary as we all, you know, get educated. And we can keep some of, some of us around a lot longer. That's it. I just had a feel-good story, y'all. Yeah. Thank you for me to share. <laughs> Thank you, Mama Brown. Now, I remember reading about uh, not too long ago. You remember the rapper Scarface? Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, I think he's doing some stuff in politics right now. Okay. But he needed a kidney and couldn't find a match. And his son came forward. Uh, and I think he's going to be getting a kidney from his son. Yes, that's recent, actually. I think I yeah. just, I saw a headliner on that. Yeah, it was just within the past, like, two or three weeks. And see, that's what, I, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Let me tell you, when you, when you are a donor, like Jalen was a donor, anything happens to me or his brother, we go to the top of the list immediately. Because when you are a donor, you know, they recognize that you're a part of an elite family. And your name is now a part of the system. I had to turn over the names of my immediate family members so that in case anything happens that, you know, they're, they're, they'll recognize their name being attached to Jalen. It is only immediate. So it would be my mom, um, my dad, uh, and Jamal. Um, so anything, should they need anything? Their name will already be in the um, donor system. It's a system that they have, and it, they'll they'll see those names and they'll realize that this person should should have some type of priority. But you know, in other countries, they're taking it from people without their will. So, thank God in America, you do not. They do not sell organs. You not, do, they not, do not. Not that you know. Enough. Not that I know. And I know well, a whole lot that happens on the in the U.S. of A that you yeah, know. ain't talking about the black market. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it a couple movies. I don't know. Hey, I believe. I, I believe, Julius. You're right. I mean, every, they say what? There's a price. People can't be bought, huh? There's a price. Everything's got a price. Yes. Everything has a price. But that that was a beautiful story. Um, prayers, ongoing prayers and thoughts. Mm -hmm. To, to your friend um, and, and uh, on the, the recovery. The everybody on dialysis, for everybody who's in need of an organ, we're praying that God keeps you and gives you that which what you need to, to, to have a quality of life and to be here with us longer, to have better days. You yeah. know, I just had to jump in there with a prayer. Yeah, I would. Mm, I want everybody who, because it's people who follow us, Julius, in this situation, you know, that are also, you know, dealing with family members and things like that. And, man, my heart, you know, just goes out to all of us in the African-American community. You know, let us look out and take care of each other. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. 
No, you're 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 right on. And Mama Brown, you've said a really important thing: quality of life. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect segue into talking about our quality of life with this ongoing lingering. Is the pandemic over? Are we safe? Am I going to be able to afford my rent or my mortgage? These student loan payments about to hit back up. Are my kids safe going back to school? It's like all the things that we were thinking about that were drastically and disproportionately impacting Black folks at the beginning and the middle of the pandemic. And now we're like, you know, I'm using my air quotes saying at the end that I don't really think we're at the end of the pandemic. It almost feels like it's just like a new, a newer, a new cycle, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, we've done some research and been thinking about some topics. Um, where do you want to start there? You want to start with the, the, the eviction piece. And we talked about Congresswoman, uh, Corey, Corey Bush. Bush. Want to start there. I think that's a great place. And, be- and even before we jump into that, shout out to the whole one hood team, um, specifically, uh, to Siri, yeah. uh, shout out to miracle, shout out to treble, um, shout out to, um, super villain. I, I, I know, I know, I know his, uh, his name from the show, but shout out to all the one hood team for standing in solidarity and being there, uh, for root. Shout out to y'all for being there. Um, and, and, uh, Jasiri shared a video. Congresswoman Bush, um, even gave them a shout out for being there and not just recently, right. Not just with this most recent advocacy and demonstration, but like all the way through, right. Like one of the has been on the front lines since they have been on the front lines, Julius, seriously, if every major seems like every major, you know, event or action, you will see one hood, some form of representation. And you get to what what's beautiful is we're one hood and we're part of that family too. I'm here in Washington, DC. I tell you, if they call me and tell me to be somewhere, I'm going to be there. I mean, I split my time part-time in Pittsburgh and here in Washington, DC, but it's a close knit family as we have experience here with one hood, you know, and, and, you know, so, yeah, I, I agree. Hey, had, had they called me, I would have been down there. And y'all, you know, I'm not, I'm not immune to sleeping outside. <laughs> Wait, so, so let's talk about that. Right. I, and I saw some pictures, uh, I know, uh, uh Congresswoman, uh, AOC was out there as well. I mean, there, there were, there were a number of different congressmen and women who were there and co- Congress folks who were there to be able to advocate for, um, to, to not have an end to the eviction. Um, I, I don't know the exact word. I thought said moratorium earlier. I don't know if that's the right word, but basically yeah, they use that word. That's right. How do we, how do we ensure that these financial, um, supports stay in place so that people aren't continuing to be disproportionately impacted by the impacts of it? Right. So I, I'm, I'm sure I know a lot of people, I'm sure we all know a lot of people that have been benefiting from having this, uh, you know, this eviction, uh, piece in place, right. To be able to, to, to not have to worry, right. You talk about the mental health component and the mental health, uh, implications of the financial stuff that came up in the pandemic. Right. And it's like, Right. We're at this point where people are like, oh, we're going back to normal. We're getting back to normal. But that, how long has it been? March. March of almost a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Like that caused some major disruptions in people's lives. Now we did see people who, uh, black folks who were, who were thriving in the pandemic. Right. Because depending upon like what kind of job or business you had or what kind of nonprofit industry you were in, you, 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 we saw some people thriving, right? But then on the flip side of that coin, same thing, depending upon your industry and your job and what you did, your whole life could have got flipped upside down, right? From your money to childcare. I just saw a childcare business had to, a, a mobile childcare business had to close their doors 
because I imagine, right, they weren't getting enough business because more kids were staying at home. There were less events happening. So that, that was a, a big part of their, their revenue and their income. So from, a, 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 you know, with the eviction piece with Congress, Congresswoman Corey, what, what did you want to speak to about that? Well, I tell you, I would have bought my rocking chair, sat out there with her. <laughs> but, um, you know, for her to have to go to that level, you know, it's just really sad that we're still very much in the midst of the pandemic. And it, it's my opinion that a lot of these states and representatives and, and businesses, you know, they're concerned about the bottom line. And that's the dollar, you know, how much money they're, they're losing, you know, by not collecting rent. But the reality is, is that the landlord has to pay the mortgage, right? So, you know, they're struggling as well. So we have to address the bigger picture here. And that is mortgage companies and forgiveness programs. And, and somehow budgeting out of the the monies, the American dollars to 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 kind of stabilize and balance all of this. Because we can't have people homeless. Because we have people homeless, that's a whole nother can of worms we're gonna have to deal with when it comes to COVID. Right? But we can't so how do we stop the bleeding? You know, how do we stop the bleeding? Because I can see the impact on all sides. I can see what Representative Corey Bush is doing and, and, and understand why she's doing it. But I also can see businesses losing money and they have families that they have to take care of. And, and you know, it's a lot of landlords out there who have people who are benefiting and taking advantage of the system while tearing up their property. So, you know, I tend to I tend to read with an open mind and pay attention with an open mind and look at both sides of the story. But I definitely believe something needs to be done and and kicking families out because of a pandemic is not the answer. Another I, stimulus check? I don't know. <laughs> I was just about to say, and uh, we talk about the USA, we got a, a history of rescuing, you know, the, 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 the federal government, right? We, we, don't, we rescued the banks. We did all that. But when it comes to rescuing, like, our people, that is where we continue, we, the, the federal government, uh, has continuously fallen short. And that's not okay. Um, from, from my perspective. So I do want to add mom, bro, cause you kind of made, made a point to like, what do we do? Like, where do we go from here? How do we stop the bleeding? One thing I want to add and John, maybe you could, uh, pull something up for us, but there is a local, um, law professor, educator, attorney, and I believe, I don't know if he's going to be running again, but I know he, he ran for. Congress, I want to say, um, his name is Jerry Dickinson. Mm -hmm. No, Jerry Dickinson. Um, when did I meet Jerry? Um, I can't remember when I met Jerry, but he's just one of those dudes that's like from, oh, I know how I met him. I saw him do a TEDx talk at TEDx Pittsburgh and just his legal acumen and his care for Black and brown folks is just evident. It's just there, but he is like as sharp as a tack, right? Like every, however you want to put that sharp as a tack, he dresses sharp, sharp mentality at the empathy, right? Mm -hmm. And he, I believe is doing a uh, pro bono work to support folks, at least at a local level that might come into some, some, some conflict or challenges with facing eviction. Uh, bless his heart because I know he's going to have people beating down his real doors, his digital doors, his DMs. Uh, but Jerry Dickinson, um, John, if you're looking, 
I don't know if it comes up as Gerald or if it's Jerry, J-E-R-G-Y. Jerry Dickinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just a phenomenal uh, educator, like strong uh, legal acumen. Let's talk about the legal part of this, right? And I think to your point, Mama Brown, it's like, how do we get in front of this? And there you see. Stick on me with Jerry. He gave me the website. Roll down a little bit, John. <laughs> there we go. Uh, several weeks ago. That's why we you started bringing his name up. I feel he's a phenomenal person. You know, I really like him. It was my first time meeting I it, formally. I met him before, but in 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 movement, he's very involved in the community. And I saw him at several actions, but actually meeting him to everything that you said, he he just warms your spirit. He just you could tell he's just a good, wholesome down to earth in the community guy. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, can we bring that back up real quick? I want to make sure I get his uh uh is there any way we can zoom in or is that not possible? Or do I need to get super close here? Running to serve PA's 18th congressional district. Father, husband, constitutional law professor, civil rights lawyer, human rights activist. And that's where this is where I want to spend some time at. I just had a conversation. Let me let me just give this little brief context first as a segue before I get into this. Just had a conversation with a close friend, and they were talking about, um, you know, a, a situation, a, a family situation. I won't get into in too much detail, but I immediately started to think about what is this person's rights in the situation that they're telling me about? Like, what are their actual legal Right. And I just want to use that as a segue to talking about this, you know, the, 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 the eviction piece, right? It's like half the time, or maybe even more than half the time, I don't feel like we fully know our rights in these situations, right? Like even there's even been this eviction uh, moratorium, and I don't even know if people fully understood what that meant right in terms of their benefit right you because you might hear it Mm -hmm. and right if your landlord is trying to evict you and you're like what's an eviction moratorium and your landlord is like i don't care what it is like if you don't pay me you're going to get evicted Mm -hmm. and do people have the 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 mindset right you have even have the mental clarity and energy or transportation or technology to do what you need to do to make sure you don't get evicted. Cause I'm sure, I don't know, somebody correct me in, in the comments or afterwards, like, is it, you could just say to your landlord, no, it's an eviction moratorium and you're good. Like you don't have to leave. And if they try to evict you and you say, no, it's an eviction moratorium and the you know police come, you could just say, I'm good. Or do you actually have to go through a whole process of filing some paperwork of getting it notarized? Like, I don't know. I have no idea. Forgive me for that, for being, you know, that, not, that, yeah. and that knowledge all, but I'm just trying to connect the dots of like, there are a lot of resources out here and I'm sure there's some of our folks that just don't know how to like even access it from like a legal or a period, like any kind of access perspective. Well, you know, um, having, so I'm in a unique situation. I pay mortgage here, and they had a more um 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 moratorium on the mortgage as well. Um, and also that having as a renter in Pittsburgh. So I was told that you know no late fees. I can pay if I want to pay. How much I want to pay, I can do that. My problem is. The mental health piece behind that, they still won't want their money. So if you're not paying, obviously you're struggling because maybe COVID took away some income from your household. And so, you know, you're just trying to make sure everyone eats and, you know, um, the lights work 
you know, the, the gas in your car, you know, trying to find a job, you're trying to survive, you know. So the mental health piece behind that is, okay, now here we are. They was lifting it, what, a couple of weeks ago, thinking we were out the woods with this whole COVID, you know, and things were starting to get back to normal. But what happens when they come collecting and looking for that money? So, you know, you're still under that fear of, oh, my God, I know I have to pay this month, but I don't have it to save it to pay when it's time for me to pay. So so what are we really doing? That, to your point, people don't know what this means. When they, when they hear they don't have to pay this month, they're like, okay, I'm already struggling, so let me pay something else. But when it's time to go back and collect a whole year worth of rent, where are these people getting this money from? Okay, now that I have a question on that. Is that how it's work? It's working. I hope not. Oh, yeah, it is. I hope that it was you. Uh, let me let me think this through. Even even with well, I'm gonna break. We gonna break student loans in the conversation. Um. Is it, you did not have to pay your rent or, you know, housing payment or, you know, rent, whatever residence payment because of the moratorium. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking it's, it's gone, right? It's not like, oh, now you got to go back. I mean, because just hearing you say that. You don't, you're right, Julie, you don't know. It's, 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 it's flabbergasting to me to even think about something like that, right? So e- even if you if we still frame it as we coming out of the pandemic, I don't want to come out of the pandemic. Are folks coming out of the pandemic and now now you don't you're not just thinking about one month. You think about fifteen months. Yeah. And then yeah. What's the payment plan gonna like? How? Julie, it's scary. It's scary because only thing they're they're saying that they're not collecting is late fee. That's the only thing that they're waiving is your late fees, but they still holding you accountable for that money. This is why it's a lot of programs that have rental assistance because you still are being held accountable to pay your rent. It's just that you don't have to pay it this month and worry about an eviction notice or going to court. So let, so it's just being banked. Let, yeah, let's think about that, right? You have, again, a, a disproportionate number of black and brown folks who went from employed to underemployed to unemployed to whatever is under, under unemployed, right? We, we saw that happen. And now you're coming out of the pandemic and whatever your living arrangement is, you still owe 14, 15 months for your housing. And how, in my mind, most landlords are going to say, some, some landlords are going to say, I need mine ASAP. You know, they probably say, I'm going to give you 90 days to come up with <laughs> whatever the astronomical amount is, like even funny, six thousand to twelve thousand dollars, right? Conservatively, Pittsburgh, you know, rental numbers, and or and maybe even more, or they're going to say another option that's not even that beneficial. Oh, we'll take it down and take a certain percentage of that and put it onto each month, right? So now you're getting if 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 it was um whatever, eight or $9,000 for the year, then we're going to take a certain percentage of that and add on to each monthly payment. Yep. That's, no, that's no better because now when you see a, 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 incre- a, a rental increase, and chances are that your wages and your earnings were probably stagnant or went down. That's not in all cases. I do want to keep adding that caveat that some people did, depending on their industry, see a little bit of an increase in their earnings. I am aware of that. Yeah. It was, it was a small, you know what I mean? I know it was a small. But, but, but they having to take that extra and take care of family members 
who did lose their job. Yeah. That's the piece that we're silent about. Yes. We are taking care of others who have lost. So whatever we are gaining, we have to spread it out among family so that because if one family falls, what's going to happen? They're going to come to you in your home and your resources. Wow. I believe yeah. that we're family, right? But if we can help them stop the bleeding by putting the Band-Aid on it a lot sooner, but it's still resources, right? Yes. So that, so when you talk, when we talk about stop the bleeding, the, 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 the power of uh, mutual aid, even beyond the families, like we saw, that is what really, what really rise to the surface throughout the pandemic. We saw people helping people. It was like, what? Like somebody would set up a GoFundMe and say they needed $2,500 for such and such. You go back and check that thing in like three months and they'd have raised $9,000, right? Because people, because 10 here, five here, 15 here, then you got a couple people say, I'm gonna give 500, I'm gonna give a thousand. Like, who were in a good position to, to do that. I know I donated to dozens of, of, of GoFundMe's and fundraisers for when it was like, so-and-so is, it, it needs such-and-such uh, such for housing. Yep. Well, so-and-so needs food. I wasn't asking no questions. I was just making donations. Like, look, because I, I know people are struggling. So mutual aid, um, shout out, to the Wellness Collective and Shannon Hughes, um, who is a phenomenal, phenomenal social worker, activist, um, advocate, uh, human, just an amazing, amazing human who just is in community and with community so much that the organizations that she's a part of and she's founded have really elevated mutual aid and, and, and put it into a place where the, the people own it, right? They own the, they own the needs, they own getting the word out. They were doing, I mean, from meal, dish, meal deliveries to a fa- if a family says, Hey, they need something. One of her organizations was putting the word out there. Then within a week, they were funded for what they needed. So it kind of, I, I went on. <laughs> what I, yeah. It's like, it's like we, we got us like Corey, Corey and, 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 you know, at that level, they're going to be pounding on doors and sitting outside and doing what, and, and doing what they need to do. But in the meantime, like we got to be there for our people in the, in the trenches as best as we can, you know, and I know mama Brown, just hearing you say that makes me think of like some of my family. You know, I, I, I don't know if it's just me or if it's other families, but I am kind of one of, one of the, the family members that like gets that text message. It's like, Hey, cause I need 500, you know, Hey, cause I need 250. And I'm always like, I want to support family and I have, and I will continue to, I just want to be mindful of, of what, what's next. Right. Like if I, if I, if I, if I give you two fifty five times or four times, like what, what's the plan after that? Am I, are you just asking me for two fifty every other week? Mm-hmm. And that becomes the expectation because, because I ain't got it. <laughs> right. Like really, depleting your resources for when you might need it. Like, oh, good. And yeah. then you go back to that person. Yeah. But help. <laughs> so it's like, how do we even balance, right? Like the the familial and the mental health implications of that, right? Because you brought up a good point. Uh, we're we're leaning on people, and they're leaning on us. And at some point, something something has to give. At some point, <laughs> is it going? Is it going to be my finances? Is it going to be somebody else's? Something is going to give at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and some good things have came out of this for those who are um, approaching it with a level of growth and maturity. And that is you look at what you have and say, I have too much. And because I have too much, 
I need to give what I have to others who don't have as much as I have. You know, I look, this case in point, and, and my friend would tell you this, you know, I've been looking at ways to, I was like, you know, I was going to Starbucks every day. Starbucks was getting anywhere from 5 to $8 of my money. So I was like, you know what? Good old Costco's. Go buy the Starbucks box of the little pods and make my own Starbucks coffee at home. But, you know, if it, this is how I'm able to give and to do what I feel like I can do is by looking at what I have and saying, how can I cut back and create more resources, you know, so that I can be in a position to not only take care of Danielle, but to also take care of those that maybe God has touched my heart to be able to be a blessing to. You know, like today, case in point, I gave a $100 plant and a $100 seed in the Kidney Foundation because, you know, I'm grateful. I want, you know, the Kidney Disease Foundation to continue to thrive. Because I witnessed firsthand, you know, what their organization and their connection to the medical field helped with my best friend. You know, I I don't think I ever gave to the Kidney Foundation ever. But when you are, you know, approached with, you know, when you start to see things and you see how much it's benefiting the community, you become a little bit more intentional with your giving and your dollars. So, you know, I, I felt a need to do that today. But the point of what I'm trying to make here is, is that there are some things that we can do to cut back within our own, you know, reach to be able to help others. We don't have, you know, we can't eat out the way we used to. Some things we just, the pleasures and, 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 and activities, some of the things we were living high off the hole, you know, we had to check ourselves and realize, you know what, if I have other people now that's coming to me and I want to be in the position to help them, then let me first be an example and curb some of my own spending habits. I'm still working on Amazon showing up at my door. I, I got them down to once a week now, you know. <laughs> You know, I just, you know, just so convenient to hit, you know, pay now with Amazon and magically in about 24 hours let your door and you don't even have to get in the car and go nowhere and deal with people. But again, but what is showing up at my door? Do I really need that? Because, you know, I'm now like, mm, I got this little shoe thing going on and I'm like, how many people right now are struggling and don't have shoes? And why do I feel like I need to have more shoes? So I got to check myself as well. Hmm. You know, I don't want to be benefiting from a system in order to have things that I don't need. Well, people are struggling. And I'm not far from it. I'm one paycheck, one one paycheck, one one situation from 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 having to 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 you know really be in a tough situation. I'm not rich, and nor have I been born into generational money that will outlive me, as some of my counterpartners had. And think about it, Julie, as a race period, so much has been taken from us that has prevented us to be becoming generational. Um, where this whole pandemic just opened up a whole new era to entrepreneurship for a lot of us. But not everybody is getting there. And can't everybody get there? Can't everybody be an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to I want to uh, piggyback on some of the points that you made. Um, and I keep shouting people out. We got to shout out our, our our homegrown folks. Shout out to uh, Camille Scantling 
and shout out to Samantha Black. Um, those two started uh, Greenwood Week in Pittsburgh. So really just educating Black folks and uh, anybody who's interested in learning about, um, you know, entrepreneurship within the Black community, um, the history uh, around the narrative and the story and what actually happened to Black Black owners and black business owners and just really creating more opportunities. So shout out to them. Um, and I, I, the reason I'll bring them up is because Camille posted something one time that was like something to the effect of, um, like there are, there are chances are we want something. There's a black entrepreneur or business owner that makes it, uh, now it might, it might not be, uh, like like you said, that could, that, that convenience of Amazon, right. Where you're like, all right, I'm going to order it from, from, you know, sis or bro, and it's going, I'm going to get it in six hours. Like, you know, it w so may, maybe their business may not be up to that point with the, um, the logistical, you know, components of it. So you might have to, we might have to inconvenience ourselves to like drive and go get it or wait for it an extra week or whatever the case may be. But when she said that, it had me thinking, because, right, I'm sitting here, you know, I got uh, chain store stuff on, and there, there's, chances are there's somebody in the Black community that makes the things that we use on a daily basis. I mean, uh, coffee, hats, shoes, uh, Ikewear, Nikhil. Right, but shout out Ikewear. <laughs> you get all your clothes. It's Ujima. Ujima. <laughs> Yeah, it, black, black house. Yes. Black house. Like you, there, there's, there's so many opportunities. And I think, right. The more we're talking, cause I'm thinking I was at a, uh, we, we were at our organization still smile was at a, at a, like a, a vendor type event in Wilkesburg. And I walked to every table. I didn't buy something from every table. I probably bought something from four of the vendors, but like, you talk about, right, like provided for you, like that's their storefront for that day and the money that they bring in, right? They get, they got to pay gas. They got to pay for their products. They got to pay for shipping and packaging. Uh, they got to pay for display. Like, so being able to invest 50 bucks, 75 bucks, 10 bucks, 25 bucks into their products and services is a, excuse me, is a way to keep maybe keep their lights on maybe gas in their car maybe keep their their babies fed right maybe to keep them housed right or maybe to keep them in their right mind and their mental health julius yeah because all of this is stressful and when we're stressful with our money it seeps over into our relationships it seeps over into our gifts and talents but more importantly it takes away from our inner peace, our inner peace. And when we don't have inner peace, we exist in chaos. And then all the cousins come with chaos, depression, um, with uh, uh, uncontrollable spending, you know, all of it. Anger, abuse. How many of us have turned to food or or drugs or alcohol just because we're unhappy with our financial situation that may have caused us to have in-house fighting with our partners and significant others, which may cause us to be depressed and miss work or school, which makes, you know, you see how it's like a byproduct of a byproduct of a byproduct. And this is what COVID is doing to, uh, to the families right now. This is what's happening. And though we have these bright, shiny moms, thinking about Fawn Walker right now, though we have people who are on the front line, you know, out there and fighting for us, and, and they're still a part of a rare group. It's not all of us. And like they say, until we all get there, you know, 
it's hard to really celebrate just one. Yeah, absolutely. And the more we're talking, the more I think we definitely need to acknowledge the folks that are not as like visible as the ones we've been talking about. Like there are, there are people who are in these neighborhoods, are people that, that they ain't on social media, you know, they, we, 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 we pass them in the street. You know what I mean? We may see them at different community things, or we may not that are really, really, really struggling with these same things, um, these same challenges related to COVID, uh, whether it's the, the financial piece, how it's impacting their babies or their grandbabies going back to school, um, getting evicted or not being able to have food on the table. Like we need to be mindful of that and how we're showing up for folks and, and how we're advocating for folks that are, are, are forgot and, you know, kind of kicked to the curb because bringing this full circle, right. Say we coming out of this pandemic. And if that's the way that the country or the world wants to frame it, that's okay. But we know that, uh, you know, this, this is kind of like a new beginning for people. It's kind of like, right. It's like after the, the, the destroy after a, 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 dare I say like a natural disaster or something, right? Like God, God bless folks that have experienced that in real life. Cause I can, I can, I can only imagine because being in, from Pennsylvania, like you had to deal with none of that. So that's kind of what, what, if we're coming out of it, we're, we're coming out of the rubble and like the, the debris and the, the rocks and the flames, like that's what we're coming out of now. So to, and you ever watch the videos of people like coming out of those different, you know, those, those scenes and you're looking at the landscape and you're like, what? Like you can only imagine like, that's what we're coming out of. That's coming out of the pandemic. So to just think like, oh, it's cool. We back outside. Everybody's good. Like, no, some people are literally just coming out from beneath that rubble. Yeah. And three, and they can't think straight. They can't see straight. They're not in their right mindset to even be able to do these things to provide for themselves and, or let alone two, three, four, five people in their family. So like, <laughs> I've been howling about like, you know, going to different stores and stuff, but it just feels like people are really like on edge. I don't know if it's just me, but I get, I get a feeling that like people around me are like more impatient mm -hmm. edge. And I've had a couple situations where I like, I'm super calm. But I wanted to like snap on people. Like, <laughs> really, like you're, you're tripping over like a shopping cart, okay. whatever. It to me, it just feels like we got to really dig deep into that like empathy place of like you, it's not, if somebody is going through something, now you know that everybody's going through something and it's amplified. Like that's automatic. So how do we show up for ourselves knowing that number one, and then how do we show up for other people knowing that? You're uh, right. You're right. You're so right. It, 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 and, and we're coming out with health issues worse than we, we went in because remember, this pandemic has affected the African-American community in outrageous numbers. Like we're, you know, having residual effects from COVID, you know, on top of already health issues. Then now you're threatening our livelihood. You know, it's just too much. And then you don't know the messaging. What's the messaging, Julian? You know, the president says we need to do this, but governors and state representatives are totally going against what the president of the United States recommendation is. He's saying, get back to wearing masks. Let's get everybody vaccinated. You have states saying, I'm not going to require you all to wear masks. I'm not going to require the teachers to wear masks. I'm not going to require businesses to go back to 
you know, uh, uh, what is the limiting occupancy? You know, so you had governors not even respecting the authority of the United States president. And then we're in the, we're caught in the middle of these crossfires because we don't know what to do. Ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think you, you, you gave us a good uh, closing point, Mama Brown, is that who's been sharing this? I feel like a lot of people have been talking about like protecting your peace lately because it feels like where we are right now is a, I don't want to say it's as turbulent as it was sort of like in the beginning of the middle of the pandemic. But this is, this might almost be like that. uh, I don't know if you want to kind of look at it like a plague fly. There's still some turbulence when you, when you're, you know, when you're trying to land, like I've been, (laughs) you know, for anybody who's flown and been a frequent flyer, like you, I always get nervous. I love to fly, but I always get nervous. And there's still like, you know, like, all right, we're, we're about to do our descent, whatever the pilot said. And when you're, you, you coming down, like you have some wind and you got some, you know, I feel, it feels like that's kind of what's happening right now. And, and we got to acknowledge that, like we got, we have to acknowledge that, okay, just cause we're about to land and we think we're about to get back to the way everything was like, no, nah, that's, that's not real. So employers like be mindful of your your employees like what are you just there's some employers out there that are like come back to the office like for what (laughs) we've been working at at homes you know some of us for over a year effectively so what just making a a a, a clear demand to say come back into the office is that going to be beneficial knowing that these families might not be able to have somebody look after their children. Right. Or knowing that, you know, they may be stressed out about coming back in person. Like how do we meet people where they're at? How do you, how do you, to your point, how do you assess their mental health? Because that is true. If you're going back into the office and you have underlying health issues, you're worried about how you're going to protect yourself. Not alone, how are you going to protect others? And we have a comment here. I think this is a, a, another great point um, from Andrea. She said, when you or family get evicted, does this go against your credit score? Again, there's so much we don't know about how all of this is going to pan out, which is mentally stressful. If I don't pay my rent, how is it going? It's because guess what? We live, nothing is free, but we need to understand the guidelines. And that part is not being shared with us. We don't know what to do. We just take one thing and run with it. And then it comes back to bite us. Yeah. So I would say, um, and, and, uh, Andrea, Andrea, thank you again. I know you, you were with us. I want to say last week. And just sharing some phenomenal information and commentary with us. So we appreciate you for being with us. I, I would say as we want to wrap up, Mama Brown, there needs to be, and I know One Hood does an excellent job at this. Uh, we need to have like more educational stuff, letting our folks know like, here's here's what's happening with this eviction moratorium stuff. Here are your rights. Here's what's happening with, you know, uh, financial assistance for this or for that. Like we need to just get that information out into people's hands, into their inboxes, on flyers, on the shows, like people need to know, because again, I feel like now through the rest of the year and even into 2022, there may even be a higher need yeah. for resources. Right. Cause I think we did like, I kind of, it was like a lot of like, I don't, I don't want to use this word. I think, I think we, we pe- people kind of like resting on their laurels a little bit. Like, oh, we, we, we got all this food to all these people and you got this to all these people. And it's like, pe- people are still struggling. 
Yeah. We need to still be getting them food. We need to still be getting rental assistance. We need to still be getting all the things we're pouring into people during the pandemic. They, we still need to be doing that. It's not like, you know what month this is, right? Julia, what month is this to your point? Oh, you, you got- know, each, we've been kind of going on this national month thing. And so to your point, when you were saying about education, you know, it's national back to school month. That's what August is. So maybe to your point, maybe Nick and, and Andrea, thank you for inspiring this thought for me. Maybe next week we can have some of the community activists who are helping to educate people on what to do in the resources in the community be on the show. And maybe we can get some of the questions answered. What to do? What does it look like if you don't pay your rent? You know, what are the resources in Pittsburgh that are in place to make sure that not only, you know, if you can't pay your rent, you know, that, you know, your income won't disqualify you because you're taking care of other families. That's another thing people are up against. They, they don't meet the income qualifications to be able to get help. But what the centers are not looking at is the fact that this family member is literally taking care of other families. So, yeah, I, I, maybe that's what we'll do. You know, I mean, we, we, we always have a packed show of, of, there's never any, we never run out of material folks. (laughs) We never, 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 you know, sometimes we have guests on, but sometimes we just want to vibe with you all and, and take your questions and, 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 and answer them and interact with you all. Like we just got another one from Don. Um, what, what did Don say? I can't even scroll. He said, please call Rent Help PGH 412-534-6600. And this is just a, to me, it's just a beautiful illustration. Now, thank you, Dawn. We appreciate you too. It's just this, this, this is how this kind of stuff happens, right? Absolutely. It's like people helping people, neighbors helping neighbors, black folk. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I apologize. I'm, look, I'm looking. Uh, Laura Wright Rock, thank you. Catapult Greater Pittsburgh is another great resource for local understanding tenant slash landlord situations and FAQs. Yes. Shout out to Tammy Thompson uh, and their team doing phenomenal work at Catapult Work. So this is a beautiful thing, right? You got you got folks from from all different parts of of the neighborhood and the world and different mm-hmm. ethnic backgrounds sharing resources. People helping people. That is what we saw throughout the pandemic, and I think uh, as a solution moving forward, that's something we really need to elevate because we we. We have what it takes to support each other. We just got to to stop, take a moment um, and figure out how we can be of service and support to others while being of service Absolutely. to ourselves as well. So, um, Mama Brown, did you have a uh, final comment that you wanted to share with folks? No, I, I'm just, <clears throat> it just, we're going to have to do, we're going to go back to the drawing board and, and see how we can continue to help each other out. You know, um, educate each other and have our audience help educate us and utilize the resources and, and have invite the resource to our show, you know, um, because it is scary right now. We don't know what to do. We don't know to put the mask on to take the mask off, get the vaccine, not get the vaccine. They have the now booster um, coming along. Do you wait until they get it fully right? I don't know. There's so much uncertainty out there. All I do know and what I am certain of, I want to see you guys around. You know, I want to see your life thriving. I want to see you mentally sound in this chaotic situation. I want to see families thriving. I want to see employment thriving. You know, I want to see us cut back on some of the things we can cut back on so that we can continue to thrive. I want to see us win, Juliet. I want to see us win. Yeah. Let's end there, y'all. We love y'all. We appreciate you. We want to see you win. Thank you, uh, all of our folks who joined us, Laura, Dawn, Andrea. 
Uh, Andrea, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it, but we love you so much for sticking with us. Uh, throughout the course of this month, we'll continue to have our discussions. Uh, we'll likely bring in some folks to try to help us identify some of these resources around legal support, housing support, uh, school support, right? You know, there's going to be a lot of back to school drives and stuff like that, right? Teachers need help paying for that stuff too. Yeah. So be mindful of really thinking about whole, how all these pieces impact our mental health and wellness and why it's important to us. And let's donate. Some of us got extra. I'm looking right here and I got like eight cans of Lysol. <laughs> you know, these teachers need Lysol and cleaning supplies in their classroom. If you have extra, let's give what we have, you know, to help their lives better because they need their jobs. And they're just as confused as we are, but they're going into the classrooms with children that we know children's are germaphobe, you know, so we got to protect the teachers. You know, we're already scarce when it comes to educators, right? So we got to keep them healthy. Yeah. Yes. Much, much love to our educators uh, getting ready to go back to school and some of them who are already back in school. Um, you, you will, y'all will be in our thoughts, excuse me, and in our prayers, uh, for a safe, productive, uh, joyful school year. And we're going to do what we can to support y'all in, in the kiddos too. So, uh, until next time, we will see y'all next week. Next week. Right. See y'all. Bye.